Hey everybody, this is Chris Murphy with the Four Calls Fellows Podcast, and with me is my amazing co-host, Patrick Suka. Absolutely. Yes, the Four Collins Fellows Podcast is going to bring you information across all spectrums about everything there is to know about Northern Colorado and Fort Collins. We talk to mayors, CEOs, decision makers, and citizens and residents of the community who are really grooming the Fort Collins area and Northern Colorado area now and into the future. So it's an educational style podcast that if you are looking at making a decision potentially to move your family here or maybe to where to move within the community, this information might help you make some of those decisions. We are grateful for you to listen and we really hope you enjoy. For those that are jumping in here, we have Heidi Ganahl. Did I say your last name right? Ganahl? You did. You did. Awesome. All right. And you are running for governor of our amazing state of Colorado. And, you know, we just want to thank you. We know you had a crazy schedule and and you've you know, got some time for us today. So, you know, I think we just want to start out the conversation today is like, who who is Heidi Ganahl? You know, like, why are you running for governor of this great state? And, and kind of give our listeners and viewers you know, just a little bit of background. I mean, we have our notes here, but uh, I'd love to kind of hear, you know, how you got into this position and, and your uh, your story. Well, Shermer, thank you for having me. Um, I love talking about the amazing cities and towns across our state. I've been able to travel all 64 counties almost twice now, um, but I grew up actually down in Monument, down by the Air Force Academy. Uh, my folks moved me there when I was 12. And it was like 3,000 people, 1978, No, like nothing around. I think we had a 7-Eleven. That was about it, or maybe the Village Inn. But I just grew to love the amazing place that Colorado is and the small towns across our state. I worked at Dairy Queen in high school, got a scholarship to college, ended up getting my degree from CU and my master's from DU in healthcare administration. And I've just been so blessed to live kind of the American dream here. I um, started a company around dogs called Camp Bow Wow, the first location in 2000, and then grew it for about 15 years. But it came out of a really tragic thing that happened in my life. My first husband and I um, wrote the business plan on the back of a restaurant napkin over a beer at Three Margaritas or Hacienda, I think it was. And um, so we, we were young, though. We didn't have a lot of money to start it up. And he ended up dying in a small plane crash shortly after we wrote the business plan when he was 25. And my life changed dramatically at that point. And about fast forward about five or six years later, my little brother came to me and said, hey, um, you're kind of a mess. Why don't we get you back on track and have you start this business? And that's how Camp Bow Wow got launched. But I'm also a mom. I've got four amazing kids, um, twins that are 10, a 13-year-old Holly and twins are Jack and Jenna, and then a 27-year-old Tori. And my husband's one of the top barbecue cooks in the country. I read about that. <laughs> <laughs> Most people want to talk about barbecue more than they want to talk about politics. Barbecue or over. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I've just I feel so lucky and blessed to have lived the American dream. I want to protect it for our kids and my grandkids. I don't have any yet, a grand dog. But um I, I'm one of those people who was raised to put your hand up and volunteer and be the change you want to see. So a couple of years I jumped into the a couple of years ago, I I jumped into the race after being a regent at the University of Colorado. That's an elected position as well. So I've done that for almost six years. But I'm just really worried about the direction Colorado's headed in. And I, I say I'm a mom on a mission to change the state for the better and uh excited to be a voice for people in Colorado who want change. That's Talk great. to us about what is a regent. 
We were asking, yeah. Patrick and I were like, we were before like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you and the rest of Colorado and everybody <laughs> votes for them. Uh, we're one of four states that elects the board of regents and there's nine regent seats. So it's like a board of directors for the university system, but the CU system, and it doesn't include CSU or the other universities or colleges. It's CU Denver, UCCS, CU Anschutz, and CU Boulder. Nine of us, two at large right now. The rest are one per congressional district. But my seat, which is up now, is going to the new eighth congressional seat. So I had to run a statewide political race in 2016. I ran against a very formidable opponent who is very well known in politics. And I rolled up my sleeves and outworked her and won by 77,000 votes out of a couple million. So wow. wow. It was crazy. But yeah, we're, we're like the board of directors for the CU system. We um, approve the budget. We make sure that, um, you know, the university is headed in the right direction. And it's the third largest employer in the state. And it has a $5 billion budget. Oh, I didn't know. I saw the $5 billion budget. I didn't realize it was the third largest employer in the state. That's crazy. Yes. And it also, it contributes about over $12 billion to the economy each year. And part of CU is the CU Anschutz or the medical school there, which has been amazing. I actually had to have brain surgery a couple of years ago for yeah. a brain tumor and I was cared for at CU Anschutz and it was amazing. It made me appreciate so much the access to healthcare we have here and, and what a great, great place CU Anschutz is. So what, so what was like, uh, when did you have that moment? You're like, I'm running for governor. Like what, <laughs> what, like what was that? Like, was your, your, your husband now is Jason, right? Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Like, when did that kind of moment go, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm I'm going to start this campaign. And, and, and when did that kind of start uh, getting fired up? Well, the first moment I remember caring about politics was when I was building Camp Bow Wow. And this inspector came into one of the camps. We maybe had, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 camps. And they were like, it was from the Department of Agriculture. It was a PACFA or Pet Care Facilities Act inspector. And they're like, hey, um, we're going to monitor, we're going to change the number of dogs you can have in the play yards per person. And it's going to be one to 15 instead of one to 25, because we think that's safer for the dogs and the people. I was like, what? I go, do you have any data on this? Nope. We just think we know better. And it completely changed the profitability of the franchises in Colorado and like reduced profitability by 20%. And we had a really, I mean, we have an amazing track record of keeping dogs safe. So I was like, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I started to pay more attention to policy and politics, and I got involved in advocating for small business owners. At the same time, I got involved in education reform and started helping to open charter schools. And so all these kind of worlds collided. And when I sold my business in 2014, I stayed on as CEO for a little bit, but I thought, you know, I want to give back and I really enjoy like policy, public policy. So that's when I ran for region and then for the governor's race. I was the, I am the only statewide elected Republican in Colorado right now. And so a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, people were like, Hey, do you want to do anything else? Do you want to go to DC? And I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> but I do care about my state. <laughs> I want to change. I know. I was like, no, no, no. And my kids are little, so I couldn't do that. So I said, I think I want to run against Jared Polis for governor. And everybody was like, that's crazy. There's no way he's so rich and he has so many resources and but, you know, I've never done anything easy in my life. So I, I always go big and I just have a heart for Colorado and for, for making our state incredible for our kids and grandkids. So I jumped into the race after I got my clear for my brain surgery, which was in August, 2020, I got my clear from the MRI on August 
26, 2021. And then I started my campaign on September 14th of 2021. So it's been a little over a year. And everything's good. You're, you're healthy and yeah. everything's good on that. Good. It wasn't cancer. It's called a meningenoma, but it was right. kind of messing with my balance and coordination. And I had a really bad headache. And so I knew something was wrong, but um, it was scary. It was really scary. And I kid with people, you know, after I had the surgery, my husband and some of my like advisors met with me like a few months later. And they're like, well, obviously you're not going to run for governor right now after you've been through all this. And I said, you know, when they took out the tumor, they took out my filter. I'm feistier than ever. I'm ready to go. And they're all looking at me like, what? That's but, awesome. Now, yeah, well, glad, glad to hear that you're doing well. And it, it is, you know, an interesting conversation too, because it is, I'm sure such a massive financial like undertaking with the donations and support that she would need to run a campaign effectively to get out to, you know, the masses and I'm sure leveraging, you know, both your time, which is only so limited. So thank you for being on this, this channel, but having Colorado, not having a Republican governor since 2007 is definitely an uphill battle. And, you know, why do you think that Colorado in, in general since 2007 has leaned heavy Democrat? Well, there, there's this thing that happened called the blueprint where four billionaires got together in the early 2000s and decided they didn't like the direction of the state. And Jared Polis was one of them. And they put a lot, a lot of money and resources into flipping the state from red to blue. And they worked. They did it over a few years. And the gal that I ran against in the regent race um, was part of that. Her name was Alice Madden. And so they had a tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of resources. And, you know, a lot of people from blue states are moving into Colorado. So they've they've led Colorado for a long time. And we have skyrocketing crime. We're number one in inflation in the country. Our kids are in crisis. We have one of the highest suicide rates for kids, one of the highest drug addiction rates for kids, number two in fentanyl deaths across the country. So I, I just don't think the record holds up. I think people are ready for change. And you know, I'm a kitchen table conservative. I'm all about addressing crime and kids and the cost of living, getting our energy industry back on track. So, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are Democrats who are supporting me and just believe, you know, we've got to do better for our kids. I, I, you, I want to touch on that real quick. You, you know, you have a lot of Democrats that are supporting you. And I'll tell you a, a quick story and then I'll follow it up with my question. But years ago, I worked in Los Angeles and I, and I it was a golf instructor. And I talked to this guy named Chase Morrissey Jr. He was 93 years old and he was President Reagan's best friend. Oh Reagan, my was God. A Reagan was a member at the country club. You can see his locker still to this day. It's got a presidential seal on it. It's really, it's, it's amazing. And, and I remember giving a lesson to Chase and he said, he, literally 93 years old, he hit two balls and he would sit back down in the chair. <laughs> and, we would, and, we would, and we would chat. I mean, it was the greatest hour. I think I made like a hundred dollars for this lesson. It was the greatest thing. But he, he brought up something, you know, this is right around 08, you know, when Obama got elected and everything like that. And he's like, you know, Chris, he goes, I remember the day when, you know, like, you know, Republicans and Democrats would, you know, they would battle, they would disagree. He goes, but at the end of the day, they'd all grab a drink at the bar and get along with each other. And I was like, God, that's, you know, I'm like, I would love to get back to that time, you know, because it's, you know, I don't know, I can't imagine like Ted Cruz and Nancy Pelosi going out having a cocktail together, <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and so like, one of the things that I look at when I look at people running for politics, is like, you know, I want somebody that can reach across the aisle. Just, you're never going to agree on everything, you know what I'm saying? But there's got to be more compromise in the system. And there's, you know, because it's just so much like gridlock and everything like that. But so I guess my question to you is, you know, how are you going to reach across the aisle and, and, and like 
literally like, you know, I love the line, you know, the perfect compromise is when neither party gets what they want, right? You know, yeah. you got, you, there's a give and take on both sides. And so what, what are your thoughts about that? And what are you going to do if elected as governor of Colorado to, to kind of mend that a little bit? Well, a couple, couple things have trained me well for that. First is franchising. I had, you know, a couple hundred franchisees that all had very different ideas about how to run the business. And I had to keep them all on track, growing the brand to a common vision. So that prepared me well. And then I'm also the mom of four kids who constantly I have to debate with and find compromise. They teach me that every day. But honestly, that's been part of who I am as a leader and um, as a regent. I mean, we are very split, divided board, and I consider the Democrats on the board my friends. We've gotten a lot of good things done. We've kept tuition low. We've brought civics back. We've protected free speech. The list goes on and on. Yeah. And we agree on a lot. But also, um, a couple of years ago, I worked, I have a nonprofit that I started a few years or oh gosh, 10 years ago now called Moms Fight Back. And I was able to work with um, some representatives on the Democrat side to pass a bill called Julie's Law to help educate court advocates and judges, et cetera, around domestic violence and child abuse. And that's Rep Representative Meg Frelick. So she's a pretty formidable Democrat. We were able to reach across the aisle and get that done. So I believe people in Colorado desperately want that. And I absolutely. I'm absolutely commit committed to doing that. And I, I want to make things better for all of Colorado. But the way the way they're dividing us right now, and you'll see the ads pouring on pouring on right now, is everyone's an extremist, right? You're either extreme on the left, extreme on the right. None of that is true for either party. Right. But that's how they paint us and that's how they divide us. And that's how they want you to believe that I'm this extreme, crazy person that's going to take away all your rights. Nothing could be further than the truth, but that's politics. So we got to yeah. cut through that. It drives me nuts <laughs> on, both, on both sides of the aisle. It's like, yeah. and I, yeah. you know, to, to your point about people moving into the state of Colorado, that's a lot, a lot of our business is implants. And, you know, I don't know how accurate this data was, but in 2021, we ranked 19th in net inflow as far as population goes, which actually I thought was actually kind of low I compared to yeah. where, what I would have thought based off of like what we're seeing, but, you know, Listening to the debate between you and Jared Polis, one of the comments that he made that I kind of was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because I think it is, there's some tr definite truth to that. It's like the role of the governor is a chief marketing officer for the state of Colorado. And I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, like talk about how great it is, but, you know, by way of, of actual like systems and processes. So, but that being said, a lot of the people that we have coming in, I would definitely say are very high intelligence individuals making a lot of money. They're the ones that are able to afford a lot of these, these housing prices. But again, a lot of them are super, super smart. And I would say, generally speaking, a lot probably lean more blue than anything as far as like how they, how they vote, but the conversations are very moderate. Right. And so it's, it is unfortunate that like this picture of like, you have to be so far left or so far right to get the eyeballs and votes it, it doesn't really allow for, because actually, like I would say, you know, I, I voted Polis uh, the last election. It was one of my first ever blue votes. I born and raised in Fort Collins. Families here in Fort Collins. If you look at the historic voting record of Larimer County, very red, very red all the way up until, yeah, the, the early 2000s, late 90s. And uh, so you can maybe take a, a guess where my dad and he had four brothers patriarchal household with a, a very, very uh, man ran. And so his, I would say, uh, generally speaking, that would lean towards, you know, some more conservative type thoughts and votes. But 
you know, the conversation that I had, I was like, I kind of liked what Polis was talking about. Didn't necessarily like disagree with a lot of different things. And so I, I, I placed my decision with my vote, which was really interesting. And then I talking to my dad and granddad about that, they about killed me, but that's, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with having those conversations. Cause again, like it, you know, I ultimately want to just have a conversation and not be so divided because that's been, what's been really difficult is it's like a, it's like napalm in general, like in politics. I mean, Chris, we're joking. Like we don't talk politics with a lot of our clients, but I'm okay with it. So long as like, we can have some mutual respect. Right. And mm-hmm. um, that's where, where I, you know, appreciate conversation and thank you for jumping on. Definitely don't have any vote, you know, as far as one way or the other for myself. And I think that's where a lot of people in Northern Colorado want to see is like, okay, why, why is Colorado so, so bad? Cause you know, maybe we don't see it as bad as it could be in the future if we don't get some, some things addressed, but currently it feels okay. Why would we make our, why would we change our decision for how Colorado is currently ran? Well, Jared Polis in the debate, like to say data, data is what guides him. And you cannot argue with data and his record of skyrocketing crime. We are number one in auto theft, number one in property crime, number one in bank robberies, number four in recidivism. Which bank means- robberies are coming back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately. No, no. Um, so crime Sorry, is out of control. Homelessness has increased by a third and we're spending almost $100,000 per homeless person in the city and county of Denver. Our kids are in crisis. 60% of our kids cannot read, write, or do math at grade level. That's huge because what happens is they're four times more likely to drop out of uh, high school. That's not good for their future. And then finally, the cost of living, Jared Polis is supposed to be a business guy and he's added 85 new taxes and fees, grown the size of government by 25%, added 4,000 new full-time employees to the agencies. And we have skyrocketing inflation here. It's almost double the average of the United States, 15.6%. So Things it's kind of like the frog boiling in the water. People are kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, my heating bill is really high. Oh my gosh, yeah, my kids are really struggling in school. Oh, wait, yeah, cars are getting stolen left and right in our neighborhood. And this is all due to some really specific policies that he and the Democrats put in place. So you don't have to get like divisive about it, but you can look at the policies that were passed, the laws that were passed, and the general sentiment about how to solve these problems. And that's where we have very different visions for Colorado. And I like to say, people say, what are you going to do as governor? I say, I'm going to undo a lot of things and give more freedoms and, and capability back to people in Colorado to make decisions for themselves. I'll trust people to make good decisions for their life, their business, their family, their kids, their health. So that's the big, he trusts government more. I trust the individual more. So Heidi, this is a great kind of segue. And Patrick and I were talking about this before you jumped on and like jokingly, it was, she was like, okay, we, Obviously, you know, Polis is terrible. And I, I say that kind of joke and everything like that. But I want I want to I want to focus on like what you want, like what you want to do. Like we know we have these issues. And trust me, I talked to my insurance agent the other guy other day, and he was telling me all about the car thefts and um the, the catalytic converters that are stolen. Like it is a huge issue. I absolutely agree with you. But I want to talk a little bit about what what your plan is. I know you said you want to remove some of these things that he put into place, but let's just take let's just assume all right, you beat Polis, all right, in your day one. And how are you going to address some of these things? And, and you know what, let's, we can start with the crime issue, which I think is, is quite frankly, all over the country at this point. But, you know, what is Heidi Ganahl going to do? You know, we all, we, okay, assuming Polis is terrible, right? <laughs> but, but like, I want to hear your thoughts and like, what are the action steps that you're going to take to solve some of these issues that we're facing? 
Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I think, I think he has good intentions. He, he mm-hmm. cares about Colorado. I just think he has a very, very different approach to solving these problems. So right. first and foremost, around our kids, we've got to go. I have a kid coming in December. My first kid is coming in December. So I'm all oh, about the, uh, yes, uh, our little boy is coming. So I'm, I'm all about the kid stuff and, and, and education for sure. Catch up on your sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's um, so first and foremost, we've got to make sure that our kids get a good education. So it's all about choice, transparency and competition. And the, the most effective way to do that is you look at other states that are doing really well on the education front, whether it's Arizona, Florida, Tennessee's doing a lot better. Um, they provide all they go all in on school choice. So you've got to make sure parents have access to those dollars so that they can make a different decision if their schools aren't doing the job. Um, that means charter schools private school, micro school, homeschool, religious school, whatever it takes to get their kids educated since 60% right now can't read, write, or do math. So would you, just real quick, would would you do like, property taxes are a massive issue, not not issue, but they will be an issue with the way values are going here very shortly. And, but a big portion of those property taxes go to fund the public schools. Is that something that's going to be addressed? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go down the tax route in a minute. Property taxes are going to go up because of the values increasing because Jared Polis passed one of the largest property tax increases in the in the state history. Um, he took a two-year hiatus and reduced it a little bit to get us through the election and, and kind of the post-COVID stuff. But I think where it comes into play is how the money's spent because the average classroom in Colorado gets about 250000 in funding and only fifty k goes to the teacher. We've got extremely high aggressive growth of administrators in K through 12. Like, I mean, our population for schools is kind of going down a little bit and you've got this explosion of administrative um, hires and that's happening in colleges and universities too. That's happened at CU. So I want to put more money back into the classroom, pay teachers more, give them smaller classes, more flexibility. The other thing you've got to have is transparency in the classroom right now. Parents are really ticked off because they feel like they're being left out of the equation. A lot of things are being hidden from parents about what's happening in the schools. They just want to know what's going on and be a partner in it. And that's is, that, is, that, is that sorry to cut you off? Is that coming from like the administrators at these schools that aren't being transparent? Like where yeah. where is that breakdown? Uh, um, it's yeah, it's mostly administrators. It's some school boards. Some I mean some. Some educators, I don't really think it's the teachers per se, it's more the directives that they're following. But yeah, the secrecy in the school stuff, parents do not like it. And that's why they flipped 10 school boards last year in Colorado. So that's on the school front. Mm -hmm. On economy, we've got to reduce red tape regulations on small business owners. We've got to reduce taxes and fees. I would like to take Colorado to zero income tax over eight years, phase it in. Right now it's 4.55%, but We can do this by asking the people of Colorado if we can change the way we do taper refunds so they ratchet the income tax down permanently. We can also do an audit and find some fraud and waste. I think we can find five to 10% in there, which would add up to a billion dollars if we did. We can also get rid of some special tax exemptions and some pork that's in the budget, of course, too. And I've made a pledge to reduce the size of the state government by 10% a year in my first term because it's grown so outrageously big. It's one of the top employers in the state. That's not the role of the state government. I want to talk. Yeah, the the income taxing is really interesting, taking it to zero. Heidi, I got it right here. So it's got Wyoming, Washington, 
Texas, Tennessee, South Dakota, Nevada, Florida, and Alaska. I think New Hampshire is going to be like the ninth one, I believe, something like yep. that. And currently, it's about nine. I read nine to eleven billion dollars in revenue for Colorado. I, I, different numbers, but yeah, we'll just call it ten billion. And then I, we'll get into your transportation plan here in a second. But you know, where is that money? I guess where do you replace that money from? I know you mentioned the tapers. You know, you're going to and maybe trimming some of that fat with the the government employees and everything like that. But, you know, obviously that's not going to be all of it. And and listen, I know, you know, these things are hard. These are hard decisions and, you know, it's not an easy answer, but what is your kind of plan? How is your team kind of sitting there diving? You're you're a businesswoman and you've ran, you know, these huge million dollar companies. What are you guys talking about behind the scenes and actually getting these numbers to work? I'm a lender. I look at numbers all day long and I'm just curious how do we get there? Yeah, so I have some really talented economists and folks who know the budget inside and out helping me do this. So it'll phase in over eight years. You know, obviously the income tax will ratchet down over that time. Our intention is not to raise other taxes. We've already got pretty pretty high taxes overall in Colorado, but Mm -hmm. um, five of those eight zero income tax states are some of the most prosperous states in the country. Texas actually, its, its economy is larger than most nations around the world. And so what it does is it attracts new business and industry. And our number crunchers have said they believe it'll refill the coffers to the tune of about two to three billion of that 11 or so billion dollars in the state budget from income tax. And then we've also got to look at how fees are addressed in Colorado. Because so right now we have all these fees and they're technically taxes. It's just a way for politicians to get around it. So we're going to classify those as taxes like they should be, take that to the voters. And that would move that into the general fund to the tune of about a billion dollars. So those aren't, you know, those aren't counted in the general fund right now. And they need to be because they're taxes. And so what, kind, what, what are these fees? Like, what, do you have like specifics? Like, uh, like yes. The latest one is the 27 cent delivery fee that's on everything we get delivered to our house or every Uber oh, ride we take. Yep. So that's yeah. a that's one that's really upsetting people, but it, there are so many, it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. So there's a whole list. We've also got to do a hiring freeze. The, the idea that we added 4,000 full-time new employees to the state government over the last three and a half years is insane. And those folks, you know, I love them. I love and support our state government employees, but we've got to do a hiring freeze and then address vacancy funds, which are kind of the holding money that allow us to hire new people. So through attrition over eight years, we can reduce that quite a bit as well. So you look at, we're doing both, right? We're reducing spending and we're growing back into the coffers, some of the money. But here's the thing, the state budget has doubled in the last decade and it's grown by a couple billion dollars in the last couple of years. And Other states like Arizona have a much smaller budget and a larger population. Our state budget does not have to be this big. So I'd like to put more money back into the pockets of the people of Colorado and then make sure that every dollar we take in gets spent on something that is making it easier to work, live or raise a family here in Colorado. And that's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. I definitely think, I mean, Patrick, remember we interviewed uh, Jenny R. She's the mayor of Fort Collins. And we were talking about bringing business into Northern Colorado. And I, I, I got to give her a lot of credit. She was like, we, we got to get better at this. Like there, it shouldn't take 15 signatures to get something on my desk. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, and I, and I, and I agree. And I, I, I applauded her for just saying, yeah, we, we suck at this right now. And I do think, I mean, Colorado, I mean, Patrick and I, we work with people that, I mean, there's some big companies, you got Nutrien, you got Woodward Governor, you got Anheuser-Busch and they, and I'm just, I, I joke, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before one of these big tech companies just 
puts up a huge plan. I mean, the Amazon distribution center that's going in right up off of I-25. So I, I do, I, I, I can wrap my head around if you eliminate the income tax, it would attract, I can see how it can attract bigger businesses to come in. I, 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 get, yeah, I get that um, in terms of kind of filling in that $10, $10 billion gap that we were talking about. Yeah, uh, and honestly, it's, we're looking at over eight years, right? So right. this is gonna happen right now. It's gonna take time, but I do believe that even us working towards it will bring new industry. And if they know that's where we're headed. The other thing we've got to address is crime because a lot of companies won't move in right now because of our crazy crime problem here and fentanyl problem. We are one of the top states with a fentanyl issue in the country. And the I-25 quarter and the I-70 quarter are like the main traffic points for fentanyl. And so the border crisis that's happening on the southern border of the United States is creating Colorado as a border state. Like the southern, the, the law enforcement and ICE agents that work on the southern border of Colorado, their hands are tied because Jared Polis declared us a sanctuary state after he said he wouldn't in the debate with Walker Stapleton. And what that does is it doesn't allow ICE agents and law enforcement to coordinate or help each other. So they watch truckloads of fentanyl or drugs come through and there's not a dang thing they can do about it. It's crazy. So you would eliminate, you would, so how would you fix that? Well, we stop being a sanctuary state. And then we also have to criminalize fentanyl instead of decriminalize fentanyl. Polis signed a bill that decriminalized fentanyl. It made it a misdemeanor. And then they went back and tried to fix it this last session. And they made it worse because now it's harder to prosecute drug dealers because you have to prove intent. So it's a hot mess and it's Hmm. killing, killing kids because where, where it shows up, is the Xanax or the Adderall that high school kids are messing with and it's laced with fentanyl and one pill can kill them and they're uh-huh. dying. And it's, I'm not being dramatic. It's really, really a bad issue. Well, I'm sure you, I mean, especially with the, you said uh, twins that are 10 and a 13 year old. I mean, that's gotta, you know, keep you up at night because I, I had a friend who sent me an Instagram post and they, you know, they were showing that like, even like young kids, they're like having it look like ca- pieces of candy and things of that nature, like, like very colorful. And I, and I sent it to my wife, we've got three kids. We have a four, three and a seven month old. And, you know, like, it's just like (laughs) terrifying, man. It's like, Rick, you know, and then, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's something that I think is on people's minds and, you know, even I'll, I, I, I guess you'd call me a drug user or something like that. I was, (laughs) we went to, we went to Vegas and my, my buddy has like, Adderall or like he and I was like man I want to go I want I want there's a night that I'm going to go hard and then I was like thinking to myself I'm like no I'm not like I know he gets it from a pharmacy but I don't care like that is no. too big of a damn risk if I don't get it from the pharmacist so I was like no I'm, I'm good and that's you know I didn't that wasn't a thought in my head when I was in college you know studying for test and and stole a couple Adderall from a couple buddies you know <laughs> but now it is a conversation and um I don't, you know, it was marijuana when I was growing up and that's legalized. And I see that on the, it it appears, correct me if I'm wrong, that for medical purposes, they're trying to pass the use of legal use of mushrooms. Psilocybin. Um, And uh, so I don't know, it's, it's definitely different from even I'm, I'm only 33 years old. It's definitely different from when I was growing up compared for the legality of drugs and how scary it is, especially with having kids, you know, speaking about I-20, the I-25 corridor, that's a massive highway of commerce for the state of Colorado. And for us in Fort Collins, it is vital for our success and to be able to attract 
these big companies that are, are going to be coming there because for the direction to I-25, access to Denver Tech Center, you know, there's a lot of discussion on for in Northern Colorado of how do we how do we get the funds necessary to, to grow this interstate so that we can get the, the people through on that artery? Yeah, there, so we rolled out a transportation plan a couple of weeks ago. It's on our website. But um, here's the thing. The legislature in Polis passed this huge tax increase for transportation a couple of years ago called 260. And it created five and a half billion dollars in new taxes and they're certain buckets of money. And the bucket of money to fix the roads is only a third of that money. And that was not talked about when they passed it. And so they've shut down several projects like I-25 expansion to 70 expansion. And they're really pulling back on fixing the roads and focusing more on encouraging people to stay out of their cars and mass transit and going to electric cars, which it's too far too fast for Colorado. That's not going to fix the problem that I have even getting to Fort Collins or Greeley when I need to go up, you know, if I'm on the campaign trail or just going to visit a friend. And so what I did is I, I took that bill and I worked with some transportation experts to redefine it. I'm going to take it back to the people of Colorado as a ballot initiative in um, 2023. And we've listed specific projects that are going to get done. So here is what we're going to fix. And that's one of them, the North Quarter. And what we would do is take that to the people of Colorado, say we're going to invest $10 billion over 10 years in fixing our roads, rural roads too, and vote for this. And then we'll sunset it after 10 years. You know exactly which projects are going to get done. We're bringing private investment dollars into match and general fund dollars into match. And so that way people can actually see what's going to happen and hold me accountable and the legislature accountable for actually doing the work. Because right now it's all smoke and mirrors. The money, you can't, it's really hard to track like where the money's being spent and what's getting fixed right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Heidi. I read, I was on your website. I read through everything and, and read through that whole transportation plan in the bill. And I, I specifically, I just want to bring up the $200 million for US Highway, the 34 and I-25 right there, really, and everything like that. When I've read this, my first thought was like, this is like, they're, they're working it right now. I mean, it's a massive construction zone. I mean, from Fort Collins all the way down. And so I'm like, well, like if they finish this in a couple of years, like what is that $200 million? Like, how are you going to improve it again? I guess like, I was just kind of confused on that. I was like, they're currently actively yeah. widening the freeway. I mean, they doubled the size of the freeway. I think they've replaced something like 17 overpasses in Northern, or they're in the process of, of doing this. So I was a little confused on like, we're in the process of doing all this. How is your plan different than what's going on right now? I guess is my question. Well, because a lot of this isn't fully funded right now. And okay. so you look at Floyd Hill and he says it's fully funded, but um, you've got to make sure that the dollars are there to finish the project mm -hmm. and make sure you see it through. And that's part of the problem with the transparency issue on this bill and how the money's being spent. So we just want to make sure that the money's there to actually get the job done. And the, the costs are going up incredibly because of inflation, because it's so hard to find workers. And so the other thing that's important in the transportation space is competitive bids. That's become a huge issue in Colorado. Hmm. There's like two companies that do most of the work. And we've got to open that back up and let the free markets do their thing and drive the cost back down as well. So it's hmm. just a, it's like a security blanket to make sure we've got the funding to finish these projects, make sure we see them through and not, you know, cut them short. So I, and that's one of the most important traffic patterns right there is getting up to Fort Collins and Greeley off of I-25. It's a mess right now. No, it, it, it's crazy. 
Um, and so to kind of piggyback on the, the funding, so I, I was reading, it's like on day one, you'll initiate those. There's a public-private partnerships. And I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then also using CDOT money as well. And I, I nerded out. I've never even done I went on the CDOT <laughs> and their budget and everything like that. I was like, how much, like, what does CDOT really have? And so I, I was texting Patrick the other day and he's like, you're such a nerd. But I was in there and I was like, so like their net total assets at CDOT are like 1.3 billion. It, it, somewhere around there. So I'm like, all right, 1.3 billion there. And then, so it kind of leads me to this public-private partnerships. Can you dive more into what that means? Well, one of the most successful public-private partnerships um, is I-36 leading right to Jared Polis's house. So <laughs> that's one of them. And it's about using managed land. Damn Polis. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants his big gas guzzling suburban to be able to get back and forth to the Capitol um, often, which was an interesting conversation in the debate. But essentially what you're doing is you're leveraging private dollars to speed up the ability to fix these roads and to provide more opportunity for rapid transit to, to get places quicker. So yeah. if you have a managed lane, you know, that's for public transit. It's for, you know, individual citizens who want to pay a little bit more to get somewhere faster and it's worked beautifully in other places. It's not the right solution right. for everywhere, but it's, it's great to make that part of the solution, not the whole solution, but part of it and private, private um, investors want to help. They want to provide this service and support and um, I, I think it's a great approach. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. So, I mean, getting to Fort Collins through I-25 and, and uh, those transportation is, is vital because Fort Collins is definitely something that's growing. Like I said it earlier in the conversation, we were seen as kind of like the little brother or little sister of the rest of the, the state. But we're, you know, between Larimer County and, and Well County growing pretty substantially and looking to continue to grow and be pretty important for the state in general. But that being said, one of the things that us locals, like I said, you know, Chris was native uh, Fort Collins born, person, born as raised. well as I'm born and raised here. And other individuals who are like that can't afford, like they, like my best friends, like a lot of my friends, I'm not working with a lot of my friends from Fort Collins they, because they just can't afford here. I mean, they really can't. They're 33 years old. They're like the, the first time homeowners, like the age just keeps ticking up and up and up because they can't you know, afford. And one of the big, big things is cost of living. And how are, how are you going to address, address the cost of living problem that the state of Colorado has for sure. But Fort Collins is definitely starting to walk right into as well with the, the, the median price of home up, you know, substantially over the last three years. Yeah. So there's a couple things there. First is affordable housing. A fourth of the cost of new residential housing in Colorado is regulatory. So we've got to relax or, I mean, figure out how to reduce some of that red tape and regulation that's preventing a lot of builders from being able to expand and build. And I can't necessarily do that by flipping a switch as governor, but I can talk about innovation and the importance of reducing red tape and encouraging people to, you know, have smart growth. Um, there's also some really cool new ways to build like community housing and tiny homes and modulars that we can leverage as well that I've seen piloted around the state as I've traveled that is working pretty well. But we've also got to be cognizant of water. Um, if we don't have the amount of water we need to grow and develop and build housing, that's a huge issue. So we've got We've got to get some of these big storage projects through. We have access to more water than we have right now. We're letting it flow out of the state because the federal government and the state government is just 
I mean, embroiled in this regulatory mess trying to get these big storage projects done. So it's water, it's regulation and red tape. It's also getting our energy industry back to work because here's the thing. We produce the cleanest energy on the planet right here in Colorado. And I'm an all of the above energy, you know, governor. (laughs) And I do believe we should push towards renewables, but we're going too far too fast. And we have decimated, Polis has decimated the oil and gas industry here. And we have the strictest regulations on the planet. If we truly care about clean air, clean land, clean water, we should produce oil and natural gas here. And we should do mining here. Our coal powered plants were some of the cleanest energy Uh, the cleanest power plants in the country and we're shutting them down and we don't have a plan to replace that energy. So when you get those skyrocketing heating bills and you pay more at the pump and we watch what's happening on the national security front, a lot of that can be addressed, at least a a small part and not a lot of it, but we can help. We can do our part in addressing national security and the energy crisis by producing here in Colorado. What do you, this is kind of like me, probably get this question all the time after hearing that, like, what do you say to the environmentalists out there? Oh, drill and this and that. And, you know, what is your response? Yeah, the not, not, in, the not in my backyard theory too. Well, you like know. I said, we do it better than anybody else in the world right here in Colorado. And the, indus- the industry leaders here that, that used to produce oil and gas are committed to it. We all have kids. They want clean land, clean air, clean water. Also, it affects our water supply. I mean, you've got to make sure that we're doing it correctly, but we have been. We do it better than anybody else on the planet. So I'd rather do it here than do it in China or India or Venezuela. I mean, sorry, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. Um, so I just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's nonsensical. It's a bait. Like, uh, I follow the stock market all the time. I've been following the sold the natural gas story for years and years and years. And I mean, this whole country is just sitting on, I mean, just massive amounts of natural gas and, you know, in, in, and also oil. I mean, I remember growing up here, never saw, I mean, all of a sudden now you drive down I 25, you see those big walls are put up and they're, and they're producing all that stuff. You know, Heidi, I, uh, you know, thank you so much uh, for coming here. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine in Chicago and I told him we were going to be interviewing today. And I said, well, you got any questions for Heidi? Because I got a question for her. And so he, going back, he spent three days with President Carter uh, years ago. President Carter came up to him and goes, uh, you haven't said a word to me in three days. He goes, do you have any questions for me? And, and my buddy Ed goes, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you most proud of when you were president of the United States? And and President Carter was like, you know, it was actually what I did after uh, I was president. And so my question to you is, you become governor of Colorado, you have a great run for many years, and then you move on. What are you, what are you going to do for Coloradoans after you're governor of Colorado? Like, what, what is your plan? You win and everything like that. You know, what are you going to do after, you know, you're out of politics for this great state? You know, I have a heart for kids and I, I just worry so much about their future right now. I want to make sure our kids have good schools, that they have good mental health care, that, you know, they aren't addicted to screens or drugs. Like if I can encourage community and get, get them out of this isolation, uh, that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I can imagine myself, you know, fighting for my grandkids, like I'm fighting for my kids right now. So I don't think I'll ever stop doing that. And of course, throw in some dogs in there too. <laughs> and the dogs. <laughs> As my lab sits at my feet, but my, my dog's on the other side of the door right now. He'd be like crawling between my legs and be annoying if he was here. <laughs> 
that's where mine is right now. I just, I just have a passion for helping our kids live a great life and have opportunity. I love our country and what it was founded on and the opportunity that we are blessed to have by being born in America and in Colorado as well. And I just want to pay it forward and protect that for our kids and grandkids. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, we, we kind of close the show out with each one. And again, this is for, for Collins fellas and, you know, focus on Northern Colorado, but you know, Northern Colorado is kind of the Napa Valley of, of beer and microbreweries. So we always end the show with, you know, and I don't know if you have an answer, but maybe you've got one for your kind of locality that you're from maybe monument. But uh, if you were to choose an afternoon, a, a Friday afternoon, and you were going to go have a, have a beer, where are you going to go sit down and, and crack open a cold one? Oh, that's a good question. I immediately went to the more like the old, old Morrison Inn and uh, like near Red Rocks. I love that. Like sit down on that patio or, um, <laughs> yeah, in Monument, it's probably La Casita, the Mexican restaurant down there, just right in downtown. I still love Monument. I still love going down there. But one of my favorite towns that I've stumbled upon in Colorado, as we visited almost all of them around the state, is Rico, Colorado. And it's right outside of Telluride. It's an old silver mining town that was shut down. And now it's being a little bit revitalized. It's the most beautiful little place. Nobody really knows about it yet. And I, Rico? I stop talking about it. Rico. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I right, know. I'm heading out there this weekend. <laughs> Quiet. Oh, gosh. But I just, um, it was. Hey, Heidi, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and they have this amazing little coffee shop. Um, so it wasn't beer necessarily, but it was this really cool um, tea that had like mushroom in it or something. So I don't know. That would be a cool spot to, to say, too. I like it. Very cool. Well, I, I like think it. one thing that Chris and I also can like agree with and think that's extremely important is, you know, regardless of the, you know, color of your vote, getting out to vote is extremely important. And uh, especially with like focused on like may, may, maybe the presidential election, like that's, that's pretty big, right? A lot, a lot of voters, but like in like the state that's running your life, I think we, we are really trying, the reason why we had these two episodes, we had one was everything on the ballot. And then two, you coming on here and talking is to really try to get people engaged and make a choice for their lives and what they feel is best for them and their community. So I appreciate you taking the time, but uh, hopefully we can get some more people out there to vote and um, we'll get some contact information down, down in our notes section for anyone who has specific questions for you. But I appreciate you coming on and taking the time. I know you're super busy. Yeah, thank well, you. Thanks, Heidi. you guys. I really appreciate all you're doing. We have an amazing state and Fort Collins is one of my favorite places in the state. Don't tell my buff friends, um, but uh, I love the CSU Animal Cancer Center. We were talking about Dr. Withrow and the work he's done over the years. Yeah. He's retired now, but yeah, I would love to have people get, get involved, learn more. We're on all the social media platforms and we're also on the web, of course, HeidiForGov.com. And also shout out to Senator Rob Woodward. He's a good friend. He's running for state Senate up there and he's in a reelection battle and um, he's a great guy. He's done great things for your community. And I would give a shout out to him as well. That's awesome. Well, Heidi, good luck. We're going to be watching yes. and following. And um, I, again, thank you so much for doing this. We know how crazy your schedule is. Well, thanks, you guys. And Patrick, I hope I earned your vote as a previous Polis supporter, but we'll check in after the election. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you. Take care. Okay, thanks, Heidi. Bye.